welcome to another NL full-time podcast. We've kept our powder dry after the bank holiday weekend. We thought we'd see what occurs across the two games on Saturday and Monday, or Friday and Saturday and Monday, as they as they turned out to be. Um, it was an eventful weekend in the National League, of course, in all three divisions. Um, we could, as we get going, focus on twos, really. Two managers sacked, only two teams in the National League, picking up a maximum six points. And only two teams now remain unbeaten as well. But we are going to split our reviews in each of the three sections uh, into three. And we'll tell you more about that and why in just a minute. Let's introduce our guests. And they're both regulars. Uh, first up, Joe Pope uh, from Off The Line Blog. Joe, good to see you as always. Yeah, um, yeah happy Joe today after two wins for Torquay. Um, obviously, our first sort of bank holiday roundup of the season and uh, lots to look back on. Well, given the format that we've decided to go with today, I think Joe may get to talk about Torquay this week, unlike he did last. Also joining us in the nick of time is our our other most regular uh, pundit on NL Full Time Podcast. It's uh, Dickie Wharton. How are you doing, Dickie? Yeah, good evening. Is it nick of time or dick of time? I'm not quite sure. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Here he is in the dick of time. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we don't get any listener complaints. <laughs> no, let's hope not. Yeah, our first, our first Ofcom warning is incoming. All right, let's get on with it. We'll decide the uh, podcast title a little bit later on, but it may be one of these three that we're going to use throughout. We're going to start with the National League, and what we're going to do is focus on the teams that had a marvellous weekend, a mixed weekend. And a minging weekend. We have to start um, not necessarily at the top because there were only two teams that got maximum points in the National League and neither of them had been particularly well placed or flying that high prior to the weekend. Congratulations to Woking who picked up all six points. Uh, a very, very decent comeback um, up at the International Stadium as well. They were 1-0 down at Gateshead, but came back to win 3-1 in that game. And then they saw off with relative ease uh, Dorking in the Surrey derby on Monday with a 2-0 win there. So great weekend for Darren Saal. That will certainly relieve a little bit of the pressure. Um, and uh, I don't know, which impressed you more, Joe? The, uh, the, the, the turnaround win at uh, Gateshead or the comfortable home win with a clean sheet against Dorking? Because... You have made uh, reference to their home form recently. Yeah, their, their home form's not been the strongest. Um, so they'll be pleased to win um, and, and keep a clean sheet against, you know, although they do have their concerns defensively, they are a very good attacking side in Dorking. Um, so Darren Saul will be really, really pleased uh, to get that win. But I think the, the standout would have to be Gateshead. The fact that they were behind in that game, uh, Marcus Denanga obviously scoring the first goal and you assumed it would be another procession for Gateshead and that they just roll on to a win. But that's why Woking are tipped to be up there. Um, obviously came back goals from Kellerman and Amund and not many Woking fans would have expected Zach Bradshaw uh, signed in the week, defender from Ipswich, and he rounded the goalkeeper and slotted home a third with uh, the aplomb of a, a striker that's been playing up there for 
for Yonk. So, uh, yeah, that would be the, the standout for me. Yeah, absolutely. I think in terms of the form they were in and the teams that they've beaten and the fact that they've kept clean sheets, I'd have to give the team of the weekend myself to Dagenham and Redbridge. Um, it'd been a tough start to the Strevolution, as they've been calling it down at uh, Dagenham and Redbridge. But on this weekend, after a bit of soul-searching, uh, following the previous weekend's result, Dagenham uh, won 1-0 at home to Barnet, who were previously unbeaten. So to keep a clean sheet against Barnet to get the job done, admittedly, Nicky Kabamba scored the goal, albeit in his own let. We'll come back to Mr Kabamba in due course. Um, but they backed it up on Monday, most importantly, with a 2-0 win against Wealdstone. We couldn't let this moment pass without getting in touch with the Dagenham manager, Ben Strevens, just to see how they've gone about approaching this weekend. Well, Ben, we've just been reflecting on how difficult it is to put back-to-back -back wins together in this league. Only two sides managed to do it on the bank holiday win uh, weekend and, uh, and Dagenham were indeed one of them. Um, two wins, two clean sheets... And two decent sides that you beat in Wealdstone and, and, and Barnet. Just tell us from your perspective. Um, I know everybody searched long and hard, didn't they, prior to those two games. Um, how did you go about it? I think it was just that, to be honest. It was um, obviously we had a, a real bad weekend the weekend before we were losing the game, but also I think that happened with Ian, so it was a little bit of a, a reset moment for all of us. Um, just to see you know, some things are a little bit bigger than football have happened with Ian, but also um, also a time for us to really sit down, look at it, talk about the games that have gone by and um, yeah, try and plan and put something together that we felt would work um, moving forward. And I have to say the, the boys were really, really good. They come in and was more critical of them, themselves in the week than we had been on them and wanted to get better. And yeah, lots of work on the training ground, especially my coaches, I have to say, uh, Stuart Ferguson and Lewis Young were first class last week and the work they did with the boys. And you just hope that when people see it on a Saturday and then the Monday it comes out and um, thankfully for us it did and we did like you said we played two very good teams especially Barnet I think are going to be there or thereabouts uh, and Wolfstone's football I think everyone's talking about how well they're playing as a part-time team so um, yeah hard fought victories and yeah felt nice it's certainly better than it's felt um, losing that a couple of games before Absolutely yeah and, and obviously Barnet pretty sure no one else has beaten them this season nobody had beaten Wealdstone prior to the bank holiday weekend of course they they had a rotten one themselves and were the only side in the National League not to pick up any points. But, um, yeah, a 1-0 against Barnet is very, very hard to do. Um, obviously, uh, the irony of Nicky Kabamba, who's in great goal-scoring form, sticking one in his own net. But it's so much more than just that, isn't it? It's about what you put together over 95 or 100 or 105 minutes this day, these days, isn't it? Yeah, and... and um... I'm being honest, like I'm normally really, you know, with the, the goal that we scored, but I really felt on the day we deserved it, we, we really nullified Barney's hardly anything. And you've seen they've been scoring twos and threes most games. They hardly had a look in really against us, which was credit to the, the way the team defended as a group. And we was, 
was having loads of final third bits that just weren't quite dropping. But I always felt something that could happen. We had Ryan Hill back in the team. Um, Charlie Kendall had his best game for us up top. And um, Miles Weston was a threat on the other side as well. So I, I just felt like something was going to happen within the game. Um, mm. But yeah, the goal was fortuitous. I'm not going to say he wasn't. It was um, good work by Nick Tavares who crossed it. And obviously, uh, mm. Nicky scored the own goal. And like you said, a couple of days later, our, our lovely footballers, he ends up scoring a hat trick to get Barnett a win. So, um, but look, we felt we felt we deserved it on the day, and we knew we had to be really good to try and stop him. And then you try and prepare the best you can the next day, trying to be ready for Wolverhampton away. You know, one of the teams that have the highest percentage of uh, possession in the league to have the energy and um, resources to keep running around and pressing them the way we did yesterday was um, really pleasing to see, and it just shows shows the fitness levels that the boys had. Absolutely, well, a terrific weekend for you and. I know everybody says don't look at the table too much too soon, but it certainly looks a lot healthier from Dagenham's point of view. Before I let you go, Ben, I know we've only got a few moments for a chat. How is Innie doing? Can you give us any update? Being honest, he's at home. And it was obviously scary for all of us more more than anything for him and his family when it happened. But um, yeah, we put, he's in the hands of um, in the professionals now. He has to go and see a few people just to check everything over. And we're sort of with other players, you put a time frame on it. You know, if someone's out with a hamstring or whatever, you say he'll be back in eight weeks or whatever. Within he, we, we really don't know. We don't know whether it'll be weeks or months. We don't know. We're just hoping for him that everything's okay. So we're just um, waiting on a few tests to be done now and hoping he's back with us as soon as possible but the main thing was that he was okay and, and the, I've sort of talked about it uh, in the non-league paper but the, the, the treatment he got was first class from our physio Brian and all the people at Maidenhead mm-hmm. um, so yeah we're, we're unsure when he's back obviously hoping it's going to be really soon because he's a big player for us and a big player at the National League level but um, most importantly he's okay and um, hopefully he'll be back for soon that was Ben Strevens and uh, Dickie he, he'll be mightily relieved won't he it's it's a tough job there. They've they've had big expectations. They've they've possibly had bigger budgets in recent years, but um, he'll be delighted to get a couple of wins back to back with clean sheets, won't he? Oh, absolutely. Because I mean, their form um, before this weekend, um, you know, wasn't wasn't great at all. So uh, yeah, to come out of uh, of it with with the return that they've got um, will be a big relief for them. I mean, just looking at how they'd started the season of drawing three losses and and three losses um back to back uh at home to south end uh at, at home to gateshead as well so two home defeats you know that's never great when you know the majority of your fans see you at home and and winning on your own patch is um you know is so important to keeping people on side and then a loss at maidenhead so yeah really good to rebound from that um you know Victories over Barnet and and Wilson never come easy. Yeah. So yeah, a, a real feather in their cap. Yeah. And just a footnote from you, Joe, on one of the goal scorers in the two 0 win against Wilson. Yeah, um, I remember we had uh, Ben Strevens on at the back end of last season, and uh, he said that during the back end of the season, he'd used every player in his squad apart from one, and that was Omar Musa. And it looked as if he was going to be on his way out of the door and never play again for Dagenham, and yet given that they need a, a couple more men in their squad. He's come through and taken his chance really, really well. All right, so looking for two more teams that had a marvellous weekend. Um, we had to consider, probably, I had to consider two from five, really, that picked up four points over the weekend, and that's no mean return uh, at all. Mention in dispatches for Bromley, who have had a difficult start to the season, 
had some injuries, some young players and and obviously some good players left. Um, they did get um, a 2-1 win against Southend and uh, a 2 all draw against Rochdale. So I suggest that's a lot better form for them. And Solihull Moors, of course, sit top now of the National League and one of those two teams that remain unbeaten. Um, they won 2-0 at Oldham and drew one all at home to Halifax. So a decent weekend, decent return for them. Um, and Rochdale as well. They've been quietly going about their work. Um, four goals over the weekend for Tyrese Sinclair, um, heavily from the penalty spot. But uh, Rochdale have really settled nicely under Jim McNulty. Altrincham came within seconds of picking up six points over the bank holiday weekend. They very nearly lost at home to Chesterfield at the Jay Davidson. But in the last 10 minutes, they turned things around and hit Chesterfield with a couple of sucker punches to get the win there. Um, a surprise result, of course. Chesterfield heavily tipped to uh, to be front runners for the title this season. And then well past the 90-minute mark, as we're all used to at the moment, they were leading 3-2 at Fylde in a cracking game. But uh, very, very late. I think it was something like 97 or 98 minutes. Uh, Fylde got themselves an equaliser there. So Altrincham were um, reduced to just four points out of the six. But I think I'm right in saying, chaps, feel free to come in, whichever of you want to, that uh, Altrincham are the other unbeaten team in the National League this season. So well done, Ulti. Um, great to see their second season um, as a full-time club and uh, the work that they've put in there starting to come to fruition. Uh, and the other side with which we've given marvellous honours are Oxford City. They started the uh, the weekend pretty solidly with the nil-nil against Alan Devonshire's Maidenhead. Um, and they followed it up with the most eye-catching result of the day on Bank Holiday Monday. A 4-0 win against Boreham Wood. Um, caught the eye because it was their first win. Caught the eye because they scored four goals, four different goal scorers as well. And also caught the eye for another reason. The first time that I can really remember under Luke Garrard, Boreham Wood pretty much capitulating in the space of about 15 minutes and conceding three more goals after the first one. Um, I have watched Luke Garrard's post-match and... Uh, the word he kept using was embarrassing, but he was very conscious of not taking anything away from Oxford City. Joe, what did you make of that one? Yeah, I mean, you're right to touch on it. The fact that, you know, we haven't seen Bournemouth concede goals in the manner that they did uh, on Monday. It was usually at 1-0, maybe even 2-0. They, they find a way to dig their heels in and make it still quite competitive. But we have to give credit to Oxford City because... For all the people that would have watched Oxford City last season, they will know that they are absolutely capable um, of this. And, and for anybody that didn't know what Stat McEckram was like and were thinking that he was going to do really well this season, when it took him 45 seconds after he came on off the bench to get a goal uh, in the National League, having not played so far. So, um, yeah, a really good week for them and two clean sheets as well. Yeah, terrific to see Oxford City really settling in to the National League life. So that wraps up our little section on four sides who have been marvellous over the bank holiday weekend. And then we come to a bigger pool of teams, if you like, uh, that had mixed weekends. Um, quite a lot of teams picked up three points and a couple of teams picked up two points. 
But before we go any further, there was one other major event between our last podcast and this. And that was, of course, Southend United being docked 10 points. And, uh, you know, the National League sticking to their guns in terms of, uh, you know, the own uh, deadlines that they've given. And I think most supporters in football and, and most South End fans that I've seen accepted that the National League were just doing what they rightly should do in that place. And, uh, um, of course, the um, they have a stay, stay of execution again as a club. They have another six weeks to report back that they've paid their HMRC um, debts. Um, and, and we did feel that it was time to get the word of a South End fan to try and allow them to really get a few things off their chest to articulate their, their pain. Um, we'll leave the football side of things for a moment. But um, they did start the weekend well, didn't they, Joe? And uh, on uh, Saturday morning, you caught up with uh, another Joe from uh, Shrimper's Stats. Uh, so it wasn't a Tom Tom, but it was a Joe Joe, right? Yeah, um, I caught up with Joe after a really good win for Southend. Um, as they beat Eastleigh. Um, and we talked about, um, obviously, their win and everything that's gone over the last couple of years and hopefully looking forward. So uh, here's my little piece with uh, with Joe. So we're joined today on the NL Full Time Podcast with Joe from Shrimper Stats on Twitter. Um, you must have seen, uh, for those that are on Twitter, anything to do with Southend. Shrimper Stats are always there to give us the lowdown. Welcome, Joe. Yeah, thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. And we sit here after um, Southend played Eastleigh yesterday in the Friday night football, and <laughs> it was another win for Southend to continue their brilliant start. Joe, obviously you were there, um, 2 0 win. Um, tell us about it. Obviously, another good three points, much needed after what's happened this week. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it should, it should be a surprise about. Uh, how we're performing, you know, with all the stuff that's going on. But this group of players and staff, just, they just do it every week. So it shouldn't really be a surprise like, in terms of the, the performance now, how they apply themselves every day, really. But um, no, obviously big result. We don't know how the 10-point deduction is going to affect us. We obviously, it makes whatever we, we were going to achieve this year makes it harder. Um, we don't know what's going to happen in the future, but I guess all they can do is just play every match with the same passion that they do every week and just see where it takes us. Um, in terms of yesterday itself, very emotional, I think. Very emotional match. Um, just before... Just as soon as you get in the stadium, really. Before um, before the match, you know, when they finish their warm-up, they always do like a lap of the stadium. Just to just to like clap the fans, that was emotional <laughs> before the match even started. Um, then we had the process, but probably about ten minutes in, it disrupted the game for a few minutes, but it wasn't wasn't really a problem. And then I think we scored a couple goals first half, and then it was, it was quite comfortable, I think. But the um, yeah, like I said, it should be surprising, you know, how we're how we're doing. But it, it's they're like that every week. They just Fantastic group. Fantastic, really. And obviously, uh, they had the setback in the week with the 10-point deduction, you know, after their good start. 
it seems like yeah. this group, whatever's thrown at them, they always bounce back. You know, any knockbacks, they they um, bounce back quickly. Um, what is it about this group that just allows them to go and do that? It, it's got to come from the top. I think it's got to come from from the manager, from the coaches. You know, they're the they're the leaders. They're the ones that have created that culture. I think within the football team um, to basically never give up and never just always try your hardest and I think that as a fan I think of any club doesn't matter if it's Southend or whoever I think all you want really is to see your players do 100% effort every match and you know you want to see your team win of course but you've got to have that passion first so that all comes from the top for me um, the recruitment that we were able to do when we could sign players um, again like three coaches um, John Steele, Sam Coddingmore, I think, helped with that as well. So, you know, it's one thing signing good players, obviously, but it's about the mentality as well. And I think you've got to have the right people with the right resilience as well. So the recruitment that we did probably a year ago and, and more comes into it. Um, the standards that that they set, and they won't let that drop. You know, and if the, if the players don't put in that effort, it won't be tolerated. And I think they all know that. But... Um, you know, you've got to have that strong leadership from the top, I think. And you talked about the strength of that recruitment. I mean, anybody that's looked at um, my blog will know that I continually <laughs> sing the praises of John Still um, at the top, yeah. who I think uh, has done some brilliant work. And it was actually the two goal scorers who were signed during that little recruitment drive, Nurhassin and Harry Cardwell. I want to focus on yeah. one of those, um, Harry Cardwell, because... He kind of impressed during Chorley's FA Cup run, um, off which, off the back of which Southend signed him. But we didn't really see that last year. Um, his this the form that he's showing. Why do you think he's now turned um, that that promise from last year into the goals that we're seeing now? You know, if you if you watch us play, you'll notice how important Cardwell is. Not just scoring goals, but in everything. You know, he's he's a proper sort of target man. Um, you know, we like to cross the ball into the box a lot. So he's someone to aim for. If we play over the top of defences, he's sort of strong and quite quick to run onto the balls as well. So he's he's very important. I think the last year, I think that two seasons ago, he got injured. I think the last game of the season. So then, the beginning of last season, he was injured for the first few months. Didn't have a pre-season. So it takes you a while to get up to sort of full fitness. He has a a spell last year maybe a month where he sort of scored quite a few goals but yeah we didn't see him sort of scoring regularly throughout the season so now we obviously are I think that like I said I think a lot of his game has been the same it's just now that he's scoring more and that obviously gets the headlines but perhaps other teams can't envisage what it would be like for a fan in this situation to potentially lose their football club in the matter of 40 yeah. days what would it mean to you, as a lifelong fan, to lose your club? Everything, everything. Um, yeah, to be honest, it's not something I've thought about too much because I don't want to. At this stage, obviously, if it comes to it, then then it'll be a shock. Well, not a shock, obviously, but it'll be it'll hit hard. Um, it'll mean everything, you know. Looking around the stage, we've got fans of all ages all you 
you know, everyone's different. Football should just be about putting aside whatever sort of problems you've got, like in your own life, just for a few hours, just focus on the football. And we can't really do that. I know that we're still playing games and we're still doing well, but this at the back of your mind is always that threat of what's going to happen in a, in a month's time. I think that the fan base is obviously very united in terms of what we want to achieve. But I think it's quite divided in terms of how we should achieve that. So you have certain people sort of boycotting, not going to games. Certain people who will go to games but will protest. People who will protest but only if it's not at the stadium. So I think it's important to remember that um, you know, there's been a lot of disagreement amongst the fan base, I think, on social media about that. But I think it is important to remember that we're all trying to do what we think is the right thing. You know, obviously, that's all you can do. No one's going to agree 100% of the time, but everyone's just doing what they think is the right thing to do. So, but no, in terms of what it means to me, just everything, I guess. It's a huge part of my life. Um you know, your football club means, means as much to you as you want it to. There's people who go home and away every week and there's people who maybe live abroad or work on Saturdays and they can't go, but they still love their club and they still care. So to, to not have that, whoever you are, I think it's just it's just sad. It just makes me sad and just angry, really. And if it comes to it, I'll be devastated. I don't, I don't want to think about it too much at this stage. But no... And obviously, every fan, um, every fan thinks that their club is the best, um, of course, because that's why they support them. But if yeah. the uh, a prospective buyer is listening to our podcast, which I hope yeah. they are, um, why Southend? You know, you know why why Southend United? Yeah, like you said, everyone obviously thinks their club's special, um, but you know this. This fan base that we've got, I think just throughout everything that's gone on, not not even in the last year, because the problems have been going on for far longer than that. You know, before before COVID, even though uh, certain people won't have you believe that, but I think that just the the whole sort of togetherness that the fan base has got with the players and with the staff is is unlike anything I've seen since I've been going. I've been going south in for, I think, over 15 years now. So I think it's probably the best connection has been between the fans and the players. It's probably since Kev was last playing for us, and that was like some 15, 16 years ago. Um, you know, if you are going to buy the club, um, there's the love and the respect, I think, that all the fans and the people in a local area and probably just all like lower league football fans will have for you. It's just, it's just fantastic. Southend weren't able to follow up that win on Saturday. Uh, they went down uh, 2-1 at Bromley, as we mentioned a little earlier in the podcast. So they picked up three points over the weekend. Um, the two teams that I particularly want to focus on uh, that got three points for different reasons um, are Eastleigh and Ebbsfleet, the two E's. Um, let's start with uh, Ebbsfleet. A terrific 3-0 win at home to Kidderminster. Um, and then they followed up with a very, very late defeat. They got Kabambad, uh at Barnet. And uh, Nicky Kabamba 
uh, scored his third, fourth and fifth goals of the season. We don't count the one that he scored as a winner for Dagenham on uh, uh, a little bit earlier. But um, in amongst those two games, there were another four goals for Dominic Poli and he's gone up to six now for the season. And um, he's just carried on where he left off, hasn't he, Joe? And, uh, um, you know, he's, he's got to be in the uh, in the shake-up, in the reckoning for top scorer in the National League this year. He certainly leads the way at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, he showed what he could do last season. And I think it's a little bit like um, Jamie Reid when um, when Torquay won the league, come up having scored over 30 goals um, and has continued that. And uh, the way that Ebbsfleet play, the fact they create so many chances, he's always going to get a chance to score, to score goals. And um, yeah, four goals over the weekend. And if we were to, to pick a player of Bank Holiday in the National League, then uh, he'd certainly get that. Certainly would. Well, Hartlepool, they got three points too, uh, beating uh, Fylde by three goals to one and then uh, going down 3-2, another 90-plus, another deep, deep past the 90-plus uh, winner for Chesterfield, who obviously themselves ended up with one win and one loss over the weekend. And that leaves us clear to talk about Eastleigh, who were the first of those two clubs to pull the trigger. And Joe and I were a bit miffed and a bit upset um, not particularly for Lee Bradbury, but because we both in our prediction competition picked Mickey Morton to be the first manager to go. And as it happened in the end, Joe, uh, Bradbury beat him by some 48 hours. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as we'll come on to later in the pod, no doubt, it was a bit of an indifferent weekend for the Bradbury family. Uh, but certainly for Lee, it wasn't a very good weekend. Uh, obviously losing at South End. Uh, 2-0 to lose uh, his job and I think I was a little bit shocked at the start when it when actually they, they announced it but speaking to some Eastleigh fans they feel it's been coming for a long time it's not just four or five games it's sort of 15-20 games from the back end of last season and uh, I know you weren't particularly impressed with them even though they, they managed to win. They certainly did win on Bank Holiday Monday. Um, yeah, I'd guessed about half an hour into that game. I'd wanted uh, Aldershot probably to be a little bit more dynamic going forward, a little bit more like they've been through most of this season. But Aldershot looked pretty comfortable at nil-nil. Both Eastley and Aldershot had had two or three half chances each. And then the moment came that, you know, most of our listeners will have seen. It was live on TV. Jordi Van Stappershoff. Hesitated slightly as Adrian Barlow was sent through the middle. And then when he did come out, rather than electing to use his six-foot-five physique with perhaps a header battle with Barlow, um, who, who probably isn't more than 5'9", um, he uh, sort of hesitated a bit and wafted a leg, caught Barlow, referee rightly gave a free kick. And I can't, I can't argue against the red card that was, uh, that was also shown. That was obviously a massive game-changer and... Uh, Eastley from the resultant free kick. Very, very classy strike from Chris Maguire, um, who steadied himself and made sure he got his shot on target. Unfortunately, the first thing shot striker Laurent Tolage did was retrieve the ball from the net. And a little while later, um, after uh, Aldershot had conceded a second, uh, Tommy Widrington made a change that uh, brought Kwame Thomas, who'd been playing up front, um, into the goal with uh, Tolage going up front. And unfortunately, the first thing that uh, Kwame Thomas did as well was take the ball out of the net after uh, the second of two lovely finishes from Enzio Baldwin, who 
took the opportunity really with um, Paul McCallum out injured to play a little bit more of a forward role and he certainly took his chance with two fine finishes. So Eastleigh, um, yeah, I, I I don't want to discredit them in any way, but I wasn't particularly impressed. And I think Eastleigh fans, if you've watched the interview with Richard Hill, the director who's in temporary caretaker charge, I think he called it absolutely spot on. His feet were definitely on the ground. He said a lot of work's needed there. Um, you know, and he said, uh, we appreciate being gifted something. And, uh, you know, we, we got across the line. Um, they didn't look like getting broken down too badly at all easily. I think it's in the forward running. They need to to do a bit of work. But 3-0 on the day uh, is a good turnaround for them. Three points over the weekend. Um, and all the shot, well, they'll have to go goalkeeper shopping this week unless they've got one of those uh, academy goalkeepers that's uh, that's ready to uh, be thrust into National League spotlight um, with a home game against Chesterfield. <laughs> so that pretty much rounds up those who had a mixed uh, weekend, you can decide for yourselves, Halifax and uh, Maidenhead fans, whether two points is, is mixed or minging. Let's move on to the minging then. Um, where do we start? I think probably we've got to start with the other managerial sacking. And that uh, came at uh, York City. This was not so much of a surprise. Six games in now and York City still hadn't won a game. And... Uh, after the home defeat against Rochdale on Bank Holiday Monday, um, the York uh, board, presumably uh, led by uh, Mr Ugler, made the decision that Mickey Morton's time was up at York. Um, chaps, who's got an opinion on that? What do we make of it? I mean, it, it, it definitely was coming because there's a lot of money spent uh, and a lot of pressure to get those first wins. Dickie, what was your take? Yeah, you have to feel for uh, Mikey Morton to a certain extent, um, you know, having um, been, um, you know, we, we were under the impression that York were perhaps, you know, looking around in the summer, but but that sentiment was swayed them a little bit and, and, and you know, they gave him the opportunity. So, you know, you can look at it and go that six games seems harsh, but at the same time, when you're spending the amount of money, that York have done so, you, you know, you want results, don't you? Um, I think it's a, a measure of how popular is he, he is that they they want to keep him on board at the club. Um, and it sounds like he perhaps he wants to remain at the club as well. You know, that it, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's amicable in that respect. Um, but yeah, with, with the amount of money that York have outlaid in the summer, clearly the position that they're in, isn't good enough. They'd expect that to be much, much better. Um, and so, yeah, kind of inevitable, really. Uh, you know, the, the the fact that it's all amicable and you might stay at the club and everything else, that 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 smacks a little bit to me. It reminds a little bit to me of the situation when Ross McNeely had been in, in charge at Aldershot for three months and then they said, we still want him to go back to the academy. You've been thrust up there. You've had the responsibility. You've had a taste of it. It's not very easy to just you know, drift back into a role. But we'll see what happens. We wish uh, Michael Morton uh, well. Anything to add on that one, Joe? No, other than that, you know, we could all see it coming. If they didn't start well, then uh, given the investment, then it was always going to end just one way. It should be absolutely fine, of course, York. They've got uh, a big squad, which isn't always easy to uh, please, but they've certainly got some quality in there. Um we can't go any further on the Mingian section without when mentioning the one team that failed to pick up a point 
over the uh, bank holiday weekend. And it was a team that was unbeaten going into it. Back down to earth for Wildstone, who got beaten 3-1 at uh, Aldershot and 2-0 at Dagenham. Um, a little bit of uh, work to do for Mr Maynard, Joe. Yeah, um, I think he'll be disappointed. I think given um, the resources he's got and the fact that his team is time still, um, I'm not surprised that they've come out of the bank holiday game with no points. Um, because if I was going to put it on anybody, it probably would be them given the turnaround and their sort of lack of full-time fitness. Um, I just wonder for them, you know, they um, obviously blanked at home against Dagenham, having had a lot of the ball and they, they lost the older shot, having had quite a bit of the ball by all accounts. Um, I just wonder whether they need to perhaps uh, change up their attack. I know they've got um, Shauna Dark was scored against older shot. They've got uh, Oliver Femi uh, there. Um, Olamola, sorry. Um, and they've also got Corey Andrews, who are all a bit samey for me up front. Um, perhaps they need something a little bit different to uh, to break teams down. But I think Stuart Maynard will be pleased with their start in general. Yeah, and Tavon Campbell, to be fair, could very easily have had a hat-trick against Aldershot. It wasn't his day. He rounded the keeper, slotted it towards goal, and Kean Harris cleared off the line. And he had a couple of other chances too. And for once, the curse of a striker coming back to play against his old side uh, didn't uh, go against Aldershot on Saturday. Um, just finishing off with the, the Mingers, really. Um, Kidderminster still finding their way. They had another nil-nil draw at home. And, uh, of course, we mentioned they got beaten 3-0 at Ebbsfleet. Um, Gates said with uh, the nil-nil draw at the weekend was the only point that they picked up, um, having lost 3-1 at home to Woking. And Dorking, as well, only picked up the one point uh, in the two-all draw at home to York. Um, the other two, uh, Files, sorry, just picked up the one point. And, of course, they rescued that very late on, as we mentioned earlier on, against Altrincham. They'd lost 3-1 in their other game to Hartlepool. Um, and that just leaves us two clubs, really. Boreham Wood, I think we've talked about them already, but uh, just the one point in a nil-nil draw against Oldham and then that uh, whipping, really, at Oxford City. Oldham themselves didn't manage a goal over the weekend. Uh, they lost 2-0 at home to Solihull and then had the nil-nil, uh, as you say, or they had the other way around. They had the nil-nil with uh, Boreham Wood first and then the 2-0 defeat at home to Solihull. And two managers have gone... Um, you do wonder, given the flack he's getting from the Oldham supporters, um, just, you know, Unsworth needs results and quickly, doesn't he? Uh, absolutely. Um, and I think um, it's it's laughable, really, the fact that they've gone two games without scoring and yet they've gone and just signed a striker from League One who got to a playoff final and arguably the best striker at the National League North and Kurt Willoughby. Um, however... I, th I think it is a bit of, um, I mean, I did a tweet before this po uh, podcast, before we recorded, and I think Oldham fans are a little bit um, fearful that Unsworth is just trying to put players into a team with no real system. Um, so, if, I mean, you made a point, I think, on the last pod, Rob, that, you know, they've got Sean Hobson, that was one of the best defenders in the National League last year, and yet they play four at the back and don't even play him. And when they do, they play him at right back. So, um, yeah, it's just not got going for them. And um, I, I think uh, David Unsworth, unless he gets a couple of big results, his time uh, could be up fairly soon, I think. All right. Well, next up, we're going to look at the National League North. Brilliant. I've finally quit. 
I can keep up with my kids now. I feel like I've got my life back. It's an amazing feeling when you stop smoking, and you can experience it for yourself. Our range of free support can help you quit for good. From our app to emails, face-to-face support and online communities. Search Smoke Free. Better health. Let's do this. Dickie, in the National League North, we're going to look at who was wonderful, who was workmanlike, and who was woeful. Can we start, please, with the wonderful? Right. Uh, In terms of the wonderful, I think we have to start with Curzon Ashton. Um, Six points from six over the weekend, uh, including the the major scalp of a 1-0 win over Scunthorpe United on Saturday. Uh, They followed that up with a 4-1 win away at Warrington yesterday. Um, And it's not not just the results from that. I think what's surprised me a little about about Curzon Ashton is they had some quite major departures during the summer. They lost Tom Pierce, Josh Hancock, Hayden Campbell, Chris Renshaw, the goalkeeper, and Connor Hampson. He's emigrated to Australia. So they lost some quite, you know, experienced players for the level, um, particularly Piers, I think. Replaced him with the likes of Miles Story from Hereford, Jamie Allen, who was at Telford last season, Alex Kenyon from Chester, Stefan Moles, he came in from Warrington, um, and perhaps most notably the return of Cameron Mason in goal. He left them a couple of years ago, but he'd achieved England sea recognition um, as the goalkeeper at Curzon Ashton. He's back there this season. They've also got a core of players who served Adam Lakeland really well at Farsley Celtic, the likes of Jordan Richards, Will Hayhurst, and Jimmy Spencer at number nine. And... Um, and just the combination of, of that core that, that Lakeland has had before and these new faces um, has got Curzon Ashton flying at the start of the season. They're only just behind Scunthorpe um, in the playoff places. Um, and as I say, some great results over the weekend. Hayhurst scoring twice in that 4-1 win against uh, Warrington. Um, yeah, you've got to give huge credit to Adam Lakeland for what he's doing there. Again, punching well above their weight. And um, am I right in thinking that uh, Curzon Ashton started really, really well last season? Weren't they top after sort of eight, 10, 12 games? I think they did have a good start last season. It's um, I'm just, yeah, I mean, they, once again, they seem to confound expectations. I didn't expect them to struggle. Um, they always seem to find a way. Um, I suspect that they're a little bit tougher at their core with, the likes of Richards, Hayhurst and, and Spencer. Spencer is, you know, he's a big, robust centre forward, perhaps a little bit more of a um, a blunt instrument that they've been used to before. But but again, you know, if people who've ever taken Kurz and Ashton lightly in the past, they won't do so with, with those players in the team. And um, yeah, I mean, when you get off to a good start, you can readjust your sights accordingly. I know at the end of last season, they were close to a playoff place and just fell away on that crazy last day of the season when, you know, people were flying up from 12th to 4th and things like that. Why is it unrealistic to think that Curzon Ashton could actually get a playoff place this year? I don't think it is, given the start that they made. All right. Anyone else get maximum points in the National League North? Yes, uh, Buxton were the other uh, uh, maximum uh, point takers over the weekend. They started their weekend with a victory over Blythe Spartans on Saturday. Blythe Spartans were top going into that, but uh, yeah, they they managed to uh, defeat them um, by a fairly notable score, 3-0, two goals for Sam Osborne um, and a goal for Jake Wright. He's one of the players that manager Craig Elliott brought in from his former club, Boston United. They had another 
3-0 victory on Monday when they won at Banbury United. Two goals in that one for Jack McCourt. He was at Warrington Rylands last season, so he stepped back up a division. And another former Boston player brought over by Craig Elliott in Jordan Burrow. He was also on target. So, again... They've supplemented well over the summer. They had that terrific run in the second half last season where they roared away from looking like they were potentially going to fall into relegation trouble and, again, only just missing out on the playoffs. And they look like they've built on that this season under a very good manager in Craig Elliott. And, again, I think Buxton would certainly, I think internally, although they wouldn't admit it, I think a, a playoff place would certainly what would be what they'd be looking at. And I genuinely think they can be looking at that with the with the start they've made. Our other wonderful team in the National League North, um, and by goodness did they need it, was Chorley. Uh, they collected maximum points off the weekend. They'd started the season with three draws, um, but then had lost at home to Warrington. So uh, not uh, pulling up any trees so far, Andy Brees' side. But um, yeah, they've put that right this weekend. They got a 3-1 win over Kings Lynn. Two goals in that one for Justin Johnson. Um, and a goal for a newcomer, Jack Hazelhurst. He's an attacking midfielder who came in over the summer from City of Liverpool FC. There was a goal for Josh Coulson for Kings Lynn in that one. They also had Tom Clifford dismissed. So not a particularly happy day for Kings Lynn there. And then um, Lancashire Derby, Chorley went away to Southport who are struggling um, and got a 2-0 win. Jack Sampson on target and Hazelhurst with another uh, red card in that one for Southport's Josh Hamami. Um, so, yeah, Chorley really did need the boost of at least one victory of this, over this weekend and, and they got two. Uh, no other six-point um, takers in over the course of the weekend. We had a, a couple that didn't get any. There weren't too many draws around, so it was generally the case that people tended to win one and lose one over the weekend. So the majority of teams picked up three points out of six. But as I say, we just had those couple uh, that picked up maximum. Good stuff. And you mentioned there's a glut of teams in the National League North that picked up one win and one defeat. Just perusing sort of through those, Dickie, uh, one or two games and results that really stood out for you, perhaps? Um, yeah, I think, well, I mean, Spennymore, I think, went top of the table on Saturday with their 1-0 win over Bishop Stortford, but then um, had a reverse at Blythe Spartans on Monday. So um, Blythe had, were the opposite side of that. We've already mentioned the fact that they, they got beat at Buxton. There was a really good win for Bishop Stortford themselves on Monday when they beat Boston United. Um, you know, we've spoken at length about about. Bishop Stortford being placed in the National League North and the challenges that they're going to face. Um, but they are making a, a pretty good fist of that, you know, whether what they're using as motivation, whether that, you know, the expectation that people do think they're going to struggle in this division. Um, but a couple of wins, yes, there's three defeats in there, but a couple of wins and a draw. Um, they're certainly not the, the worst team in this division by any stretch of the imagination at the moment. Um Scunthorpe United did rebound from their defeat against Curzon Ashton on Monday. They smashed Scarborough 4-1 uh, in a game that was an early kickoff there, I presume, because of, um, you know, just uh, police advice, I would think, just because of the numbers of travelling fans. Goals in that one for Shrimpton, Wilson, Elliott and a Frank Munhern her own goal before Liam Maloney got Scarborough a consolation goal. He'd actually got their winner for them in Saturday in their 1-0 victory, uh, which came over Chester. Um, Chester not having a great start to the season. They also had Harrison Burke sent off in that game, but they rebounded with the win over Farsley Celtic yesterday. 
good stuff. I think one of those teams that uh, fall into that category might be Tamworth. Joe's talked about them earlier on this season. In fact, Joe's talked about Tamworth and, and, and the kind of direct football that they play. Um, and he's also waxed lyrical about Hereford. Um, Joe, I give you Tamworth four, Hereford nil. Take it away. Yeah, well, I've talked about both teams, so uh, it was, <laughs> it's never going to be a, a new You covered all bases. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I'm really liking um, how Tamworth started the season. A um, couple of players on their side that I said would be uh, really, really good. Uh, Dan Creaney uh, got another goal for his efforts. Um, he's a really, really good striker at this level. And obviously, Jordan Cullinane Libbard. Uh, someone that we know uh, from his time at Brackley. And then Kyle Finn uh, finished it off, no pun intended, uh, with two goals uh, to uh, to make it 4-0. As for Hereford, I think it's not been an ideal start. I think if you ask their Hereford fans, it's basically been the Curtis Pond show. Uh, and he's kind of kept the score down very, very uh, low, uh, as it has been, because most games have been 0-0 or 1-0. Um, so I think that result has been coming, uh, a 4-0, as Curtis Pond can't save them every game. Um, but, um, yeah, um, a really, really good start for uh, for, for Tamworth, and, and they'll be really, really pleased. And I genuinely don't think that um, a playoff finishes beyond them. And, Dickie, before we finish uh, the National League North, who falls into that woeful category? Uh, yeah, um, I'll just throw in a, a following one to the Finn, who scored twice for Tamworth on Saturday, a former Hereford player. So that just rubbed the salt into the wounds for Hereford there. I think um, some mm. of their fans are feeling a little bit. Um, the Paul Caddis revolution hasn't really got going yet at Hereford. But yeah, on to those, uh, uh, the, the ones we were putting into the woeful category. Um, and yeah, uh, we... Hereford are one of those. They've lost 1-0 at home to Peterborough Sports on Saturday and then that thumping at Tamworth. So no points from six for them. And there were no points from six for Alfreton Town as well. They lost 3-2 at home to Darlington on Saturday. I think that was Darlington's first win. So that, that got them um, uh, up and running. And then, yeah, a 2-1 defeat at Kings Lynn Town yesterday for Alfreton. So not the best of starts for Billy Heath's team there. Um I mean, I say excellent result for Darlington, given that they'd started um, the, the, the season a little bit shakily, given that they'd, um, you know, been tipped by uh, a lot of people. There were goals for Day and Oliver in that Alfreton uh, game. But then uh, the Finley Barnes came on as a substitute in that one for Darlington, scored two goals, six minutes apart in the 67th and 73rd minute to get them that win. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, I think they, they followed up with a 2-2 draw at home with South Shields yesterday. So all of a sudden, four points out of six for Darlington, a fairly good weekend for them, but a, a, a pretty rotten one for Alfreton. Yeah, um, I just wanted to to quickly mention uh, one of the score well, one of the scorers for Darlington in both games, uh, Andrew Nelson, uh, a goal in, in both games. And uh, he was actually, he signed for Torquay about three years ago and he was the build as the next big hope and then smashed his knee to pieces and didn't play a single game for us. So uh, after a long spell out, it's nice to see him back up and running as uh, he's a really good player. Yeah, I think I think Darlington have been really patient with him because he 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 signed for them last summer, I think. Not the summer just gone, the summer before, but they didn't really see very much of him because he was still 
I think there was the thing of if look if we can get him fit, we've got a player on our hands. But it just didn't happen last season. But clearly, you know, he is fit. He is playing. Goals will help his confidence as well. And you know, yeah, he could be a big factor for Darlington this season. Quick look at the National League North table then. Scunthorpe lead the way, the only side with 13 points. And then Curzon, Spennymore, Brackley and Blythe all have 12. South Shields and Tamworth also sit in playoff places as we stand. At the other end, it's still just the one point for Southport uh, and uh, two for Russia Olympic, five now for Darlington and five for Gloucester. They are the current bottom four. And we're going to look now at the National League South. Right then, Joe, you're going to focus on the National League South for us and let us know who was brilliant, who was balanced and who was balderdash. Yeah, well, we start with the brilliant and uh, I've got to start with Welling. Um, you know, I said a couple of uh, pods ago um, it's with, that Welling need to start getting some points on the board under Danny Bluer. He keeps positive. Uh, Danny Blue, a really uh, likeable chap. And uh, up the wings, as he says, after all of their interviews, well, they couldn't go anywhere else because they were bottom before Bank Holiday. Um, but up they go. Six points for them, two wins um, and uh, two hard-fought wins as well, just by a single goal. Uh, the first one came against uh, Havnett Waterlooville. Um, uh, an, an opener from Alex McAllister, um, obviously a player that you will know, Rob, on loan from Aldershot. He got their opener before Mo Fowl. I mean, Mo Fowl's always in the goals and he got the first of his bank holiday uh, weekend to uh, level it up at halftime. Uh, White uh, got them in front before they added a third through Kamara. And uh, even though Havant and Waterloo will manage to get a, a second late on through Callum Keeley, uh, who also scored his first of many uh, for the bank holiday, it wasn't enough for them as they uh, they fell to a 3-2 defeat. And then Welling played a Tombridge side who I actually saw uh, at Yeovil uh, on Saturday. Uh, and Tombridge were, well, really poor uh, in front of goal. But apart from that, looked decent. Um, and I imagine it was probably more of the same for Tombridge uh, on Monday as they fell down to a, an opener from Birch after 18 minutes for Welling. Um, I actually spoke to Tombridge assistant manager Tom Parkinson after the game uh, to get his thoughts on their defeat to Yeovil Town. Perhaps not the, the easiest of places to come. And even though it was perhaps quite close in scoreline, perhaps not in terms of the performance, maybe. Uh, I thought probably the first five minutes we started really well and the last ten minutes of the half I thought in between that I thought they they, they were on top of us. I thought we defended well um, in the first half and for us it was probably about getting in at 1-0 but I thought for second half I thought for large parts I thought we dominated without really probably causing too many problems in the final third but what says it always they, they probably change shape three or four times during the game so um, that sometimes tells you that when you are on, like, like you, you, um, us being on top but we, we need to do better in the final third if we um, if we want to be where we want to be at the end of the season. And it's the annoying thing that I thought your best two players were Lewis Gard and Jordan Higgs in the middle and you had a lot of the ball but didn't really make a lot of use of it in terms of the, the final third? Yeah, final third is something we've been lacking all season but um, it's, it's a new it's a new front line. We've changed it quite a few times so it's stuff that we've got to work on in training, being part-time um, Obviously, we have less sessions than Yeovil, and uh, you have to give them credit. They're, they're obviously four or five days a week since pre-season, um, with with some and, and paying big money, and they've got a lot of experience at the top end of the pitch. Um, 
they, they, they probably get a lot more opportunities to, to work on things where um, we, we get less. But yeah, I think if we can work on a few bits in training and uh, get the front boys, whoever that may be, out there firing, we, we'll have a good season. We'll hear from the other manager involved in that game shortly as well. But uh, who else, Joe, over the bank holiday weekend fell into your brilliant category? Yeah, well, um, it's Dartford. Um, they needed some wins. Um, they've been struggling so far at the start of the season. A lot of their fans disappointed with how they've started the season. But uh, two wins for them, two clean sheets as well. Uh, the first came late on. We talked in our National League uh, roundup about it being a, a mixed weekend for the Bradbury family. Well, it was a good weekend for Harvey Bradbury. He scored the winner for Dartford uh, in their 1-0 win against Avely on the road. And they backed it up on Monday with a 2-0 win over Dover. Uh, Golding got the first. He's on loan from Oxford, City, uh, Oxford United. He got their first goal in the first half. And then Manor uh, scored the second for them. So much-needed points for Alan Dowson's side because uh, they uh, haven't made the best of starts. Any other teams pick up maximum points in the National League South over the weekend, Joe? Yeah, um, there, was, uh, there was two. Uh, Truro and Bath. I start with Truro. Uh, they got uh, a 1-0 win on Saturday against Eastbourne. Um, I spoke on the last pod about how Eastbourne are really, uh, really disappointing to me, given all the, the hype about them going into the season. Obviously now full-time uh, under Mark Beard, that's obviously won it with Dawkins. They fell to another defeat, uh, a 1-0 win there. And then Truro managed to follow it up on Monday with a, a 3-1 win against another fancied side in Farnborough. Um, Rocky Neal scored the goal for them on the hour mark before a double from Tyler Harvey in the final 10 minutes. He's back in the action now for Truro. Uh, he got the goals for them. Um, and I suppose the top honours uh, for the weekend because Bath actually managed to get three wins over the bank holiday because they got two wins and they had also the return of Alex Fletcher over the bank holiday weekend. Uh, so they will go away happy. Their first on Saturday was a 3-1 win. Uh, two goals from Scott Wilson, uh, formerly of Dagenham and Redbridge, uh, and a third from Ewan Clark on loan from Bristol City. He got uh, their third. And then they followed up with a 2-0 win away at St Albans. Wilson on the mark again. And uh, an own goal from uh, Jack James, formerly of Gloucester City. Uh, not the best of starts for St Albans, but uh, they look uh, quite strong at the moment, Bath. Good start. Thank you, Joe. Just looking at the uh, middle for Diddle, looking at the teams that had a bit of a balanced weekend. Um, you want to pluck a couple out from that? Yeah, well, we've always already mentioned one of those in Haven't. Um, obviously, they uh, they lost on Saturday, uh, but they followed it up with a win on Monday, and it was uh, certainly an eventful one. Uh, 4-3 win against Yeovil Town. Um, really fast start for Haven't, um, who'd obviously, uh, they've actually got rid of their assistant manager uh, before Monday, Ian Beard. Uh, formerly of uh, Paul Doswell's coaching setup, he's left the club, and uh, they got off to a winning start. Uh, a goal from Fal uh, Mo Fal after seven minutes, and Callum Keeley after twelve to make take their tally to two apiece for the weekend to put them two 0 in front. Uh, a goal for Ollie Thomas, the person that I've been clamouring for uh, the last couple of weeks. Uh, fantastic player. Uh, he got a start on the weekend and, and got a goal. 
Um, and it looked as if uh, Yeovil were managing to uh, to make a, a strong finish to the half. They got themselves level through Jordan Maguire, drew from the spot, nicely taken penalty. Um, but then sort of the, the theme of the afternoon for Yeovil, indecision and rash challenges. Uh, and one of those gave the home side a chance to go in front and they took it. Uh, another goal for Mo Fowl on the stroke of half time uh, to go in 3-2 down. Um, well, Yeovil, Yeovil fans will be fearing when it gets t- the clock ticks over 90, given that over the last couple of years they've conceded so many goals in the 90th minute. Well, they actually scored one. Reese Murphy, uh, he got the leveller after 90 minutes and... Um, Yeovil would have been disappointed to only have a point uh, because they could have won it. But they'd have been even more disappointed when they went on to lose the game. Uh, Callum Keeley getting his second goal of the game, 93rd minute, uh, to make it 4-3. And it got even worse for Yeovil, uh, as not only does uh, Mark Cooper disappointed with a defeat, his son Charlie was sent off as well uh, in the final minutes for them. Um, so a really eventful uh, weekend for Yeovil. And I spoke to Mark Cooper after a happy uh, game when they played Tombridge and won 2-0 on Saturday. Mark, I didn't get to see you after many wins last year. Um, so I imagine you're really, really pleased to, to be talking about a win this afternoon. Yeah, we've, we've started pretty well. We've got, say, two points average a game. So if we can, need to try and keep to that. I thought we played well today. I thought we should have had the game wrapped up. But when you don't and you miss chances, penalties, you give the opposition a sniff and, and it can become a little bit touchy, which it was. And um, never really thought we'd concede, but we, we kept going and got the, got the killer goal at the end. And the fact that it was so close right until the end, is that the really pleasing thing for you? The fact that you managed to see it over the line because those are the sorts of games perhaps last year you wouldn't have seen out? I, I only thought it was close in scoreline. I didn't think it was close in terms of that we dominated the game. And, and I thought our XG will be up near five, I would think. That takes some doing in the game of football. So um, I'm pleased with the performance. The players that came in showed real courage with the ball. The, the change of shape worked, I thought. Suited the players we had on the pitch today. And uh, we have a chance to freshen it up on um, Monday. And one player who I thought was brilliant, obviously scored the goal, was Jordan Young. Um, not so much in the second half, but certainly first half, he was a real live wire, wasn't he? He's got tremendous ability and he's he struggled because he's not scored since he's been here and that's affected him. He's a confidence player, so that, that will do him the power of good and um, hopefully he can kick on from there. And just finally, the one person I thought was really, really good off the bench, he only had about 10 minutes or so, but Ollie Thomas, um, I thought he came on and did absolutely brilliant um, running at the opposition and uh, he was a real live wire as well. Yeah, he came, I think him and Frank came on in the 62nd minute. So they got 28 plus the 10, 38, nearly half a game. So obviously when the boys come off the bench, they know that they have to affect it. And those two definitely did, as did Zach Bell. He sort of solidified that right-hand side for us. Well, that was uh, Mark Cooper for certainly one for whom there were mixed fortunes over the weekend, and uh, I'm sure a roller coaster of emotions as well for him and everybody connected with Yeovil. But well done, uh, Haven't and Waterlooville for that cracking four-three win. Um, Joe, who was Balderdash at the weekend? Well, it brings me quite nicely because there's another team that was balanced, but they were playing a team that had been absolutely boulder-dash. Uh, <laughs> okay, and, go uh, for it nicely. <laughs> and that's um, Aveley. Um, Aveley won 3-0 th- uh, on Monday, 
uh, to bounce back from a uh, well, not winning on Saturday. Uh, another goal for John Benton. Uh, he started the season really well, um, formerly of Southend. Um, and Hampton would have gone out in the second half thinking, let's make a fast start. Well, four minutes into the half, they were 2-0 down. Uh, San or CJ uh, Odalusi uh, getting the goal for them. And then they added a third uh, in uh, with 20 minutes remaining through Hernandez. And that brings us on to our first Boulder Dash team of the weekend. And um, Hampton and Richmond, um, I hate to say it, but obviously we had Tom on uh, in the last pod. And they look really poor at the moment, um, really, really poor. Uh, obviously, they lost 3-0 on Monday and they actually lost 4-0 on Saturday. Um, really struggling so far under Mel Gwinnett. And, um, you know, we talked about um, a couple of managerial departures. And I think if they have a couple more results like that, given the, the level investment that we know Hampton have had during the summer, then uh, he could be uh, one of those to also uh, see the door. Anyone else pick up zero points? Uh, yeah, um, a couple of teams. Um, and uh, Weymouth, um, they'd made actually quite a good start for the season. Um, but they lost twice on the weekend. Uh, a 3-0 loss uh, on Saturday to Worthing. Uh, sorry, a 3-0 loss um, against Chelmsford, who started the season really well. Um a bit of a, a misery compiler for Weymouth. They're losing uh, Anthony Cheshire to a red card. And then Weymouth went to who I would say are probably the uh, the go-to team in the National League South at the moment. And that's Worthing. 2-0 uh, defeat on the road for them. Uh, another team that lost both of theirs and didn't actually score a goal was Tombridge. Obviously, we've talked about the 2-0 defeat against Yeovil. They lost 1-0 at home against Welling that we've already talked about. And that brings us quite nicely. Um, finally, get to talk about Torquay again. Uh, Slough, oh, sorry, Joe, we've run out of time. <laughs> uh, Slough uh, lost both of their games on the weekend. Um, the first was a 2-1 defeat against Torquay. Uh, by all accounts, a really, really good performance from Slough in the first half against Torquay. A lovely goal. Don't know whether anybody else has seen it, but a lovely overhead kick from Nathan Minas uh, to give them the opener uh, against a Mark Housestead that uh, in goal for Torquay, who by all accounts was clapped off by the Slough team at halftime. Um, and they gave uh, Gary gave him a, a halftime rollicking and uh, it worked. Brad Ash, a name that uh, was on the score sheet all the time last year. He got us back level terms, lovely finish before Brad Ash again uh, popped up with uh, the winner and uh, Slough followed up with another 2-1 defeat on Monday uh, away to Chippenham. Uh, Owen Windsor got Chippenham in front from the penalty spot before George Alexander got another goal. He started really well after signing from Bromley uh, before Chippenham got the winner on the hour mark. Matt McClure, um, wily old fox up front and uh, he got the goal to uh, to give him a win. So, uh, yeah, disappointing weekends for, for Slough. Tombridge, Weymouth and, uh, and Hampton. So what do what are all the John, Gary Johnson out brigades saying right now? Because you're sat, what, fourth in the league, um, just a point or two off the top. Um, and football's all about results and Gary Johnson's getting them right now. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I think no one can be displeased with the start that Torquay have made in terms of points. Um, you know, the only real defeat in there is against a Worthing side who I probably will will go on to win the league. 
Um, but yeah, he's getting the results. The performances haven't been great. Um, Bowler counts the first half at Slough was poor. Um, and we conceded first in that one. Against Braintree on Monday, we conceded first in that one. Uh, and uh, got a, a, our first Gary time goal of the season, Aaron Jarvis from the spot. Um, so, yeah, the, the performances haven't been great. Um, however, I would say if you keep getting results whilst you're playing poor, then hopefully after a couple of uh, additions who I expect will come, Gary Johnson said that once the EFL window closes this week, that there is a, a couple of signings on their way, um, then... We're in good shape in terms of the league. Uh, performances need to improve, but uh, as uh, we'll say, we're only a couple of games into the season, so a uh, long, long way to go. Good stuff. Great roundups, chaps. Much appreciated as ever. Before we finish off on any other business, a uh, quick look ahead to the weekend. Um, no particular games standing out in the National League, but those two unbeaten sides, Altrincham, they will... Uh, they will play at home to uh, Bromley, who are in much better form just now. And Solihull Moors will quite fancy themselves in a home game against Oxford City. But Oxford City, of course, on the back of that 4-0 win against Borehamwood. Joe? Yeah, and in the in the south, I think there's a, a mouthwatering clash at Aveley. Um, see what Aveley are made of uh, against, uh, against Torquay. Um, and I think a real test for Yeovil as well. You know, we've talked about so many sides doing really well so far. Two teams that perhaps haven't played all that well are Yeovil and Torquay. Yeovil have got a, a game against a Chelmsford side who we haven't really covered a lot uh, so far on the pod, but they've been brilliant so far this season. Um, so uh, two tough tests there. And Dickie, just looking ahead at the National League North on Saturday, we'll be into... September, of course. Any any games standing out for you? Looking at the fixtures, I think probably Curzon Ashton versus Tamworth is is an eye catching one. Um, you know, we've spoken about them on this podcast about how you know the good start that both of them have made. So it'd be interesting to see those two um, coming together. Um, having a, a look down the rest of it, I suppose opportunities for points. Rushall versus Peterborough Sports. That's one that Rushall might, you know, fancy themselves in. Hereford versus Southport. Southport desperately in need of a win and Hereford's form isn't fantastic. Is that an opportunity for um, for Southport to get a first victory? Um, but yeah, I think the Curzon-Ash and uh, Tamworth one is the one that really stands out for me. Good stuff. Great roundup as ever, chaps. Thank you very much uh, for joining us, uh, Joe. Yeah, um, Good to be back on after a win at last um, and lots of football to talk about. And uh, Dickie, I know that um, Telford came a little bit back down to earth after the thumping seven-goal win the weekend before. <laughs> Where are you off to at the weekend? Are you uh, um, back in the then? Uh, yeah, yes, although it, the FA Cup starts for us this weekend. It's uh, another two weeks away for teams in the National League North and South. Um, but yeah, when you're a step three side, it starts in the first qualifying round. So yeah, we've got a game with Colville Town, a, a team from our own division, and one of the playoff sides last year as well. So it'll be a tough one, but yeah, it's a good chance to have a look at them. And we're not going to get beaten by a side from a lower division this year if we were to lose to them. So at least that's something. Good stuff. Well, I'll be at the EVB Stadium for Aldershot against Chesterfield and I'll let you know next weekend if Aldershot play Rush Keeper. That's it. Thanks to our producer, Luke Edwards, as well. And Luke, on that note, play the theme tune. <laughs>